this time, let's turn to uh, the book of Micah as we continue uh, through this preaching of Micah. We want to give honor to God who has given us this, His Holy Word, and for that reason we'll stand, if we're able, stand to give honor to the Word of the Lord as we read from Micah chapter 6, 1-5. through 5. This is God's holy and infallible Word. Hear now what the Lord is saying. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Listen, you mountains, to the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth, because the Lord has a case against his people. Even with Israel he will dispute. My people, what have I done to you, and how have I wearied you? Answer me. Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and ransomed you from the house of slavery. I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. My people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and from Shittim to Gilgal, so that you might know the righteous acts of the Lord. Let's pray. Our blessed Father, give us your Holy Spirit that we would understand and receive and apply this, your word, and grow in grace. Help us to remember your wonderful, righteous deeds and help us never to grow spiritually weary or weary of you and your ways. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. In tonight's text, a key verb here is wearied. It's going to be a part of our focus is this verb here, wearied. To become weary is to become tired or maybe even to give up. Um, that is really a close translation of that verb here in verse 3. Think about things that get people weary. Work. Some people get weary of their work. They get tired of their work. They don't want to get up in the morning. They don't want to go in. They dread Mondays because they hate their work. Um, some people even hate their occupation. Um, there's another word for that. It's called burnout. I kind of felt a little bit of that with, with doing occupational therapy, um, especially when I had to preach on Sundays and study on Saturdays. And It's like you never got a day off, you know, <laughs> for some time. But... Uh, I, I don't ever see myself getting burnt out preaching and studying the Word. It's a labor of love. But not everyone can enjoy what they do. Some people despise what they do. And not every jo job can be necessarily pleasant. What about school, college? Some young people go to college and they study and they get weary of studying. Weary of all the reading and the term papers and the exams. And what do they do? They drop out. Um, what about people? Some people get weary of their neighbors. They don't want to see their neighbors. They see their neighbor walking over and they, oh, no. Maybe their neighbor's done things or said things to offend them and they get weary of the neighbor. People get weary of their spouses and they file for divorce. 
But the worst possible situation is what's here in this text. A people, namely the Jews, who grew weary of God himself. Can you imagine? Weary of God. What a horrible situation. The context of this prophecy is that Micah foretold the coming destruction of Samaria. That's the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. And also the destruction of Jerusalem, the southern capital of Judah. According to Micah 1.7, this was largely due to idol worship. God mentions the word harlot. They They were practicing harlotry by worshiping false idols. Um, You think back of uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. He didn't want people going to Jerusalem to worship because he said, if they go to Jerusalem to worship, they'll have loyalty to Judah. Therefore, I'm going to make golden calves, and I'm going to set them up in, in the northern kingdom, and people will bow down and worship these idols. Behold the God who took you out of Egypt, who delivered you. Worship these idols, these golden calves. Horrendous story. Um, They really should have smashed the idols, but they refused to do so. Not just these idols, but many other idols. Um, But because they refused to do so, God said, you know what, I'm going to send foreign powers to come in, and I'm going to get those idols smashed. One way or the other, But first, your cities are going to be besieged, and many of you are going to die, some by sword, by arrow, by fire, starvation. And then I will smash those idols. Uh, Micah 4.10 talks about the daughter of Zion would go into Babylon. It's a foretelling of them going into captivity, but later on they would be redeemed uh, from the hand of their enemies. It even foretells them returning from, from captivity. And then God would purify them of their idols. Again, this, all this coming judgment was a fulfillment of what is foretold in Deuteronomy 28. God promised blessings for obedience, but curses for disobedience or breaking the law. And that's what happened. As we look at today's text, we're going to focus on a cure for spiritual weariness. That's what the focus is, a cure for spiritual weariness. We'll look at the first main point, Israel's weariness with God. And secondly, remembrance, remembrance to cure weariness. Let's look at this first main point, Israel's weariness with God. Notice God's indictment in verses 1 through 2. Hear now what the Lord is saying. Arise, plead your case before the mountains. And let the hills hear your voice. Listen, you mountains, to the indictment of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth because the Lord has a case against his people. Even with Israel, he will dispute. Now, the the Hebrew word here for indictment could be translated a lawsuit or a legal dispute. God here is filing a lawsuit against his own people. Uh, we know about lawsuits in Louisiana, don't we? Uh, there was some mention of that. I think Dr. Joe mentioned um, lawyers and legal lawsuits against doctors and that such. 
Um, I want to read something to you. This is old news because this is all the way back from 2015. But it's a, it, it was an article written by um, www.research.zippia.com. And it said they took a, a map and they showed, well, first of all, if you, if you look at other states throughout the United States, New York and places like that have the highest dollar amount of lawsuits that go on because they have the most people you know, in, in those really congested states. But per capita, which state you think had the highest amount of lawsuits per capita? Louisiana. Yeah, the, the author wrote this. Dear doctors in Louisiana, this is the author of this article. Dear doctors in Louisiana, we're sorry. Of all the states, it looks like you guys are dealing with the most flack. A whopping 44.1 malpractice suits per 1,000, per 100,000 residents. So 44.1 malpractice suits per 100,000 residents. This is uh, compared to, say, Hawaii as just 4.9 suits per 100,000. Um, doctors in Louisiana um, maybe should choose a less dangerous profession, such as uh, crocodile or alligator wrestling. Yeah. So we know a lot about lawsuits in Louisiana. You, you see the commercials unending commercials in Louisiana but those lawsuits in many cases are frivolous and many of them are just for people who want easy money but here is a legal case with solid ground because God even testifies and says he wants the hills and the mountains to witness before him he wants the foundations of the earth to even witness now why hills and mountains I think one reason is that that's the place, oftentimes, where the high places of, of pagan worship were set up. That's where they set up their idols, and that's where they would gather and, and worship false deities, false gods. Some of the Israelites even sacrificed their children by means of fire before these pagan idols. Notice the particular reason God here says he brought the lawsuit against Israel. Verse 3. My people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Answer me. Maybe the people of Israel became tired of God. Maybe some of them said, you know, I can't see God. But look at this beautiful idol. It's shiny. It's made out of gold. It's glorious in appearance. I think it's more interesting to worship that instead. Um, maybe it was because of the trials and difficulties that God caused them to endure. Why? Because of their sin. God had judged them. And God at times had gave them uh, difficulties because of their sin, but that was foretold according to Deuteronomy 28, that those curses would come because of sin and wickedness and unbelief. Well, what about us in our personal lives? What, what about everyday folk like us? Can we grow weary of God? 
Uh, let's just give a couple of examples of things that might make somebody weary or hold a grudge against God. A failed business or maybe a, a bankruptcy. A failed marriage ending in divorce. Kids who don't turn out the way that they or that the parents wanted. Maybe you personally or your children get some severe health trouble. Maybe the hurricane of some sort, Hurricane Laura or another hurricane, destroyed your livelihood or your home. Maybe some criminal or evil person harmed you or your family. The list could go on and on. But oftentimes when bad things happen, instead of people clinging to God, they depart from Him. They blame Him, they grow weary of Him, and they don't want to go and worship Him. Why would I worship God when he let all these terrible things happen to me? That's them being weary with God. And I know from personal experience of some individuals who I grew up with that did that very thing. They went to church faithfully for years. Then when bad things happened, they quit. And they wanted nothing else to do with him. They grew weary of God. So you can call that a spiritual weariness of some sort. They were tired of God. They gave up on God. They gave up on His Word. They gave up on Christ or anything that God had to offer to them. It's a tragic situation. But the cure is found in today's text. Remembrance to cure weariness. God wants us to remember His righteous Acts, his righteous deeds. Let's look first at verses 4 through 5. Indeed, God says, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and ransomed you from the house of slavery. I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. My people remember how Balak, king of Moab, counseled and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and from Shittim to Gilgal, so that you might know the righteous acts of the Lord. He wants them to remember things like the Exodus event. That event, you could say, was foundational for, the, for that identity of the people of Israel. It was that event of God by a mighty hand inflicting numerous plagues upon Egypt because Pharaoh did not want to let his people go. And in that final victory, he lets them pass through the Red Sea and drowns the Egyptians as they pursue them and seek to take their life. And we know Miriam has a great song of rejoicing immediately after that. Rejoice and remember the deliverance that God gave unto you that he delivered you from the hand of Pharaoh, from slavery, and from your Egyptian taskmasters. Remember those things. If you think about what God has done for you, you're less likely to be weary. Well, what about us? We weren't delivered from slavery to some pagans, but we were delivered from a slavery to sin, a bondage to sin. We were delivered from the terrible consequences eternal wrath due for sin through Jesus Christ now when you you're tempted to grow weary 
and say, I don't feel like going to church or I don't feel like going to midweek study. I, I'm just tired. I feel weary. And maybe coming to church gets me kind of weary or I, I'd rather do something else. Well, think about all that God has done for you through Jesus Christ. He's given you eternal life, hope, and a future through Jesus. He's given you a steadfast salvation because not only did Jesus die for your sins, but Jesus rose for your sins. He accounted unto you his perfect obedience and righteousness. Remember those things. He goes on to tell them about um, the history of Balak and Balaam. Let's turn to Numbers 23. Let's look at Numbers 23. Now, if you think about it, this could have been a bad situation if um, they were cursed. But you remember... Uh, the, let's look at the history here. Um, Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars for me and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me here. Balak did just as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered up a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stand beside your burnt offering and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me. And whatever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went to a bare hill. Now God met with Balaam. And he said to him, I have set up seven altars and have offered a bull and a ram on each altar. And then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak. And you shall speak thus. So he returned to him, and behold, he was standing beside his burnt offering, he and all the leaders of Moab. He took up his discourse and said, From Aram, Balak has brought me, Moab's king from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come, denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? As I see him from the top of the rocks, and I look at him from the hills, behold, a people who dwells apart and will not be reckoned among the nations, who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright, and let me let my end be like his. Then Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. Behold, you have actually blessed them. He replied, Must I not be careful to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? So Balak wanted, even was going to give great wealth to um, Balaam to curse Israel. And what happened was God turned it. He turned the curse, which was intended to be a curse, into the blessing. 
It's a beautiful story. Now, this is a kind of a complex thing that follows here. Um, if we look, if we go back to Micah. I'm going to go back to Micah, and we see um, it says from Shittim to Gilgal. Now, that's a little bit of a, a, a complex thing. Um, that refers back to an incident where uh, even though Balaam um, was not allowed by God to curse, later on he did end up persuading Israel to commit sexual immorality. He couldn't curse them, but he did some devious work to to cause them to commit sexual immorality. Uh, that's found in Numbers 31, but later on, Balaam was then, was then killed. He was slain there. Um, mention of Gilgal refers to the place of Israel's first encampment in the promised land between Jericho and Jordan and where God renewed the covenant with Israel by circumcision. Uh, that, that is mentioned there in Joshua Five, two through eleven, a recounting of history. Yes, you, you people committed sexual immorality, but then God brought you to the promised land, to the place where you then crossed over. You renewed your covenant with me, and, and God brought you into the the promised land. Key here: how to apply this today? Micah six five. This is a mandate for you. You are to know the righteous acts of the Lord. You are to remember the righteous acts of the Lord. If you don't, if you're tempted to grow weary with God, you're tempted to grow weary with His ways, one of the solutions mentioned in, today, in today's text is to remember the righteous acts of the Lord. What does that mean? Studying the Old Testament and the New Testament. The righteous acts of the Lord that we're reading about here. The righteous acts of the Lord in the New Testament. The righteous acts of the Lord through the work of Christ, through the work of the apostles, through the work of uh, the early church. Well, let's go even further. What about studying the works of the early church in the first few centuries? Early church history. Studying... Fox's Book of Martyrs, how many saints of old suffered tremendously, yet God delivered them and allowed them to give a faithful witness. And even through trial and torture and fire, God delivered the saints. And thank God that He has given us a freedom of worship here. Through His mighty acts, He has given a place where we don't have to fear those things. Studying the righteous acts of God throughout history, the Reformation, that God used a man named Martin Luther to break the system of the Roman Catholic Church and many other reformers as well, to break the system of the Catholic Church and a return instead of mysticism and, and a priestly order and a compromise of the gospel that God restored to us his holy word in our own language, where we could be a people of the book again, instead of having to depend on, well, only the priest teaching us, or even worse than that, only the priest teaching us in a language such as Latin that we don't understand. 
But then God, through his righteous acts, restored and raised up a church and that we follow that history of the Reformation. So again, yes, life can make you weary. Troubles can make you weary. Trials can make you weary. Family problems, work, whatever it may be. Spiritual trials can make you weary. But the answer is to remember. Remember the righteous acts of God. What He has done for you and what He still is doing for you. Remember your future in Christ and what you have in store. How God delivered His people through the Red Sea and through captivity. And God has delivered you from sin and the eternal consequences of sin. And even the power of sin. Remember these things and God will help you not to grow weary. Let's pray together. We ask our beloved Lord that you would help us to count our blessings. Help us to remember that our blessings in Christ especially are far greater than the trials and troubles of this world. (coughs) Help us to remember that neither death nor sword nor tribulation shall shall separate us from your love. We thank you, O Father, that you have given us Christ as Messiah, as the Holy One, as our Deliverer. And help us to remember his righteous acts and the acts of your servants who followed him. Help us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit, to not grow weary in well-doing and not to grow weary in worship. And especially, O Father, not to grow weary of you, but help us to forever rejoice in all that you've done for us. For we pray all these things through the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to our closing psalm, 119R. O Lord, you are the righteous one. 119R. Let's stand.